Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Good to be with you tonight. Uh, lots happening. Today, a lot is happening. Uh, today, so let's get right into it. Today is the 17th anniversary of September 11th, 2000. Uh, one, nine eleven, uh, when those four airplanes, two flew into the Twin Towers, uh, one into a Pennsylvania field and the other into a Pentagon, and uh, we had war contributed, committed on the shores of the United States. It's a day that we will remember forever in the history of our country, uh, and I wish to briefly talk about it from a particular perspective. We have, excuse me, we have, excuse me again, we have not had war on our shores, brought to our shores, except uh, in two instances, plus the one I just mentioned, 9-11. Excuse me again. Uh, Think about it. We had the Revolutionary War, the British came over. We had a fight with them. Then the War of 1812, the British again. And nothing until... 9-11. We've always been protected by the oceans, the Atlantic and the Pacific. Uh, It was just too far away and the water was too large for anyone to come over here and start a war with us. Uh, It could have happened. Planes were developed. Uh, They could fly long distances and they could bomb us. Uh, But realistically, no one's ever done anything. We've been immune. We've been protected, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Ain't the case anymore, though. And we can have war on our shores. The ocean is no protection. Uh, let, let me explain why. Let's take the capacity, the capability that certain nations have to they have missiles now with nuclear warheads. They can shoot them from their shores or from someplace else and hit somewhere in the United States, and boom, a million people are killed, and we are at war. North Korea, we're having this big Hupti uh, do with North Korea all the time now because they have missiles with, with nuclear warheads and the capacity to be shot from North Korea somewhere inside of the United States. Then there's China. Uh, China's done a fantastic job in developing their country militarily in the last five to ten years, especially in the last five or six years. They have built Islands where there were no islands in Asian waters uh, that now are airfields and bases uh, where they can put their military equipment, etc., places for their ships to go in and, and go into port. They have developed a fantastic navy. China has the best developed naval forces in the world. Uh, they have about 350 new ships that they put together, they have created, they have produced in the last five years, 350 new up-to-date naval vessels. The United States has more vessels. We have about 550, 200 more than them. But most of ours are old. Theirs are new, brand new, and have the capacity to do everything. Uh, Then you have Russia. Now, Russia has the lousiest i got to tell you, except for nuclear weapons up until about two or three years ago, Russia had the lousiest, uh, the worst 
military forces in the world, except they had nuclear weapons. They had nuclear bombs uh, as a result of World War II. Take that away, and uh, their land forces, their naval forces, oh, my God, their naval forces. Go on the Internet. Take a look at their present-day air, air uh, carriers, their present-day carriers. They are World War II carriers. You can see they are antiquated. Even our World War II carriers look better than theirs. They are antiquated. But in the last two years, what did Russia do? They developed, they created a new submarine fleet. And these submarines each has the capacity to shoot off missiles with nuclear warheads. And those, those submarines can go anywhere in the world, and they will have the capacity for many of those places to reach the shores of the United States. Now, what does all this mean? Is this going to happen? Are we going to have missiles shot at us? And we're going to have a, uh, that's how the war is going to begin, and we are susceptible? I don't think so, at least not right away. Uh, there are two other types of war that we're going to discuss for a moment here. One is cyber war, and we all know what that is, and the other is an economic war. Uh, we know how a cyber war using computers uh, can be uh, affected. Look. Russia tapped into us, hacked into us for the 2016 elections, the presidential elections. Uh, and it's thought in recent news in the last couple of weeks that China might have done it a little bit. Now, China is always being accused of stealing our intellectual uh, software, uh, uh, etc. And they do that by cyber warfare, hacking into different programs, etc. Great capacity, and we have the capacity to do this also. I'm sure we do it, perhaps not to the extent that Russia has done it, and not to the extent that China is doing it, but we have the capacity. Then there's an economic war. We are in the midst of a great economic war right now, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And who's the leader of the economic war throughout the entire world? Donald Trump. Every time, you know, he imposes a sanction on a country, uh, every time he has a new tariff, we're into these tariff wars, that's an economic war. We try to crush another country by hurting them financially. And we do it quite a bit. Now they're doing it back to us. Look at the, look at the economic war we are into because of the tariff wars with China alone. It's in the hundreds of billions of dollars. Can you imagine? We are in the process of destroying each other's economies. It's not evident to us yet. It's not hitting the American people in the face, but it's ongoing. Six months from now, you're going to feel it big time. A worldwide recession can, can occur because of something like this. Uh, we also, nations of the world who don't like us are combining together, and they are combining together to destroy our economy. At the moment, we have the greatest economy in the world. The American dollar is everything. Everybody wants the American dollar up to last year to wanted the American dollar. Uh, everyone traded. Most countries traded in the American dollar. Our dollar was strong. It continues to be strong, but there is a move underway to replace the American dollar, to devaluate the American dollar, to destroy us economically by certain countries, and replace the American dollar with the Chinese yuan, Y-U-A-N. Now, who's playing this game? Because China says, why should we play with the American dollar? Let's have our own dollar. 
Use my dollar, fellas. We'll get together, and at the same time, we'll break the back of the United States economically. And these countries have joined together right now and are in, they're in the slot. They are working towards destroying and devaluating the American dollar. North Korea, China, obviously, Russia, Pakistan, Venezuela, the Philippines, Iran, Turkey. Turkey just came out two weeks ago and said, screw you. The United States didn't like something we were doing with sanctions. And they said, we're going the other way. We're going to break the back of America with the dollar. We're going to start using the yen. So that's what's going on. I see this happening. I see first we're going to have cyber wars, then economic wars. and They'll both go together. And then perhaps, perhaps we will have shooting wars. Never forget why Pearl Harbor occurred. The history books don't talk much about this. But this is what happened, and this is the story of how Pearl Harbor came to be and why Japan attacked the United States, why we had a Pearl Harbor. Japan, little islands, that's all they are. They must import everything to manufacture, etc., etc. They need oil desperately. They don't have their own oil. They must import all their oil. And they were getting their oil from Asian waters, Pacific waters, islands out there. And all of a sudden, Roosevelt got very mad. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, one of our greatest, but not the greatest presidents, he screwed up here, I think. He said, I'm going to fix their asses. So he uh, he sanctioned them like. He prevented them from getting oil. He sent our ships out to stop them from being able to transport oil from these Asian uh, islands to Japan. Japan is choking. They're desperate for oil. So what did Japan do? And he was mad at us. Roosevelt, rather, was mad at China because China had invaded Manchuria. He told them to stop it, and they wouldn't listen to him. So he prevented them from getting oil. Japan was desperate. They had no choice but to bomb Pearl Harbor. They had to enter into World War II to survive economically. Which now brings me to a hurricane, Florence. Florence is on its way to the Carolinas and perhaps Virginia. Uh, it's, a hur- it's a Category 4 right now. It's expected to hit as, as a 4, maybe, maybe a 5. Won't make any difference, 4 or 5. Winds are going to be 140 miles an hour at the very least. Uh, bad, bad, bad. Uh, I'm, you know... Having survived Irma, I wrote the only book on Irma, it seems, Irma and Me, the hurricane we had here last year, and yesterday was the one-year anniversary of Irma. Uh, I didn't stay here when we got hit. I was out of here. I left Key West five days before uh, the hurricane hit. It was coming at us as a five. I mean, that's bad. You're going to be destroyed. Ain't no question about it. And 80%, I don't feel ashamed I left, 80% of the people in Key West got the hell out of here. Uh, but it left, I'm impacted by it. I am impacted by it. Yesterday bothered me so much. The days leading up to yesterday, this year, a year later, bothered me because you know it's it's the race to get out of here. It's the traffic, the no gasoline, no place to stay, uh, inability to get even a sandwich on the way. The lines were too long. No gasoline, no gasoline. That's all. It was on my back for four days. 
no place to sleep. I ended up four days later in Birmingham, Alabama with friends at a friend's home. Was anxious for the next 10, 12 days, uh, watching, waiting for the hurricane to hit, worrying about what was happening here, worrying about what was happening to my friends here, our friends here, the drive back, seeing the disaster as they came down US-1. Irma did not hit Key West itself bad. It came on our shore as a one. But 16 miles up the road, it was a four. 16 miles up the road was Kudjo Key. And Kudjo Key, Big Pine, Almorada, I'm going north now in US-1, Marathon, devastated. Devastated. As I'm driving down US 1, I saw things I never saw before. And they bother me to this day. What did I see? I saw cars in the water. I saw boats on the highway. I saw houses flat as pancakes. I saw appliances all over the place. One of the wonders I saw as I drove through Almorada, I looked to the right, there's this big tree standing. And about 20 feet up, sitting on two branches, big branches sticking out, is this huge refrigerator sideways, 20 feet up in, in a uh, tree. I mean, things you read about. I never thought of a refrigerator in the tree. I've read articles that were bodies in a tree, not for Irma, but for other hurricanes. And it's an impact. It, it bothered me, and I think Florence is going to be a big problem. I feel sorry for these people. Uh, they got to get their asses out of there. These barrier islands, they're crazy to stay. I was watching television today. Uh, now I'm 83 years old. I'm going to call this fellow who was on TV, an elderly gentleman. He was about 70, and he lives on one of the barrier islands, right in line with this Hurricane Flo uh, Florence. It's like it was heading for Key West or the Keys, Irma. And he said, I'm staying. My house is made of brick. It can, it can sustain it. Uh, why should I leave? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> if it's a five, it's, if it's a four, his brick house is going down. Ain't no question about it. He's putting his life and his wife's life in jeopardy. But he was a tough old guy. I ain't going to get the hell out of here. This is my home, and we'll make it. Maybe I'll change my mind tomorrow, he said, but I don't think so. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. You get out. Now, we're getting ready. We're getting ready. Trump says, the president says, we're ready for this hurricane. The federal government has cooperated, and he's got his people in line. They're ready to help with this storm. Well, I hope they do, because they helped. i got to say this. Trump, the federal government, the state government helped big time with Irma here in the Florida case. Got to give him credit. Uh, they're doing a lousy job right now. They ran out of money. There's not enough money to finish. We still have we have tent cities yet. People don't have homes to live in. They don't have food. They have to get grants from the government to get food. They don't have water. You got to get them bottled water. Uh, people don't have jobs. They're still. I forgot. Uh, how, at least in the city of Key West alone, there's a thousand people out of work who had jobs prior to Irma because not everything opened. It looks like everything's open here, but it's not. So. Uh, it's bad. It's bad. Trump also said something else today, and uh, he should be ashamed of himself. He talked about Puerto Rico, and he said, and I quote, that Puerto Rico was, I quote, an incredible, unsung success. An incredible, unsung success. We did a good job there. I did a good job. We don't get credit for it. We did a... I quote again, 
fantastic job in Puerto Rico. He did a shit job in Puerto Rico. We all know it, and he keeps trying to sell it as a fantastic job, especially since, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, a a university study came out that said almost 3,000 people died as a result of Maria, Hurricane Maria last year, which was about 10 days after Irma. Hurricane Maria, when it hit Puerto Rico, within five months as a result of Maria, 3,000 people died. When the numbers that the federal government had on their books were 64, and he was proud to say, look, only 64 people died. Now it's 3,000. Now he goes back on TV and says, we did a great job in Puerto Rico. He's selling us shit, folks. Pure, unadulterated shit. Excuse my language. Uh, Terrible. Terrible. There was a Harvard study I just learned about today that said not 3,000 lives were lost as a result of Maria in Puerto Rico. 4,000 lives. Our president is demented. He does not know what he's doing. He does not pay attention. I hope we're ready for Florence. I hope this country is ready. Because this is going, it's going to be like New Orleans. Uh, it's going to be horrible. And so much for that hurricane. Let me tell you a story about a hurricane quickly, how devastating a hurricane can be. And one that hit the Keys, one of the biggest ones to hit the Florida Keys, the Labor Day hurricane, the 1935 Labor Day hurricane. Uh, it hit just outside of Isle Morada. Isle Morada seems to be in the way of these hurricanes. First Irma hurricane in 1935. Uh, And it was a Category 5. 485 people killed, most of them veterans of World War I. The veterans needed work. The veterans needed work. They were building US-1. And they were living in tents. They were living in tents. Uh, as they were building US-1. We were not as sophisticated back in those days in predicting hurricanes. No one knew the storm was coming. Uh, They would just come, and you had a hurricane. That's the way it was back then. Well, it was a Category 5, 185 miles an hour when it hit landfall outside of Almorada. The surge was 18 to 20 feet. Bodies were flying all over the place. Bodies were showing up for months. Again, Almorada was totally obliterated. The railroad, <laughs> the, the Florida Railroad, the Flagler Railroad, uh, the Florida East Coast Railway, uh, Key West Extension, was obliterated, ruined, destroyed, never to rebuilt, be rebuilt again, just wiped it out. Uh, the bodies, what do they do with the bodies? Uh, the United States government said, you got to burn them. I mean, the bodies are laying around. they got them in piles. Three days later, they're finding bodies. They're putting them in piles. They threw gasoline on the bodies, and they burned them. That's what they incinerated the bodies. Some they were able to find enough for to put them in boxes. Otherwise, they just threw gasoline and incinerated them. Had to get rid of them to avoid uh, some sort of uh, germ, the germs that would arise out of dead bodies, and the humidity had to be fantastic at the time. One of the interesting things about this particular hurricane is that a rescue train left Miami at 425 uh, the afternoon. They knew at that time there was going to be a hurricane, all right? They knew there was going to be a hurricane. The hurricane came four hours later. 
they, you know, they didn't know 10 days out or one day out, but they knew three or four hours before because the water's getting high, the winds are blowing, we got, we got a storm coming. Should be a one-hour uh, train ride down here, and it was to take the uh, veterans who were working and remove them, take them back to Miami. Uh, for some reason, it took four hours for the train to get here. They were sidetracked. They were put on a side rail to sit. They were stopped for so many reasons, nothing to do with the storm. They got here four hours later. Uh, God was not good at that particular moment. As the train reached its place to pick up the veterans who were waiting, the hurricane came. The hurricane hit the 185-mile-per-hour winds, the 18- to 20-foot surge. The train consisted of a locomotive and tender and 11 cars. 11 cars were immediately, immediately swept off the tracks into the water. Only the locomotive and tender remained standing. Now, it was a disgraceful situation. Ernest Hemingway was down here in Florida at the time, in in Key West, rather. As soon as he could, uh, he and some friends were in a powerboat, and he brought them up to Almorada to help. Good guy, Hemingway. Uh, He had weathered the storm here in Key West. He was upset. He blamed the United States government for the 485 uh, lives lost. He says, it's wrong. The government was wrong to send veterans to the Keys in hurricane season to work. They were totally unaware of the history of hurricanes during that particular September time of the year. They should not have sent all these men to work. He wrote an article, Who Killed the Vets? Blamed the United States government that went national. the government said, well, we, we're not to blame, really. A hurricane's an act of God. They blamed God. They whitewashed the situation until the national commander of the American Legion, Ray Murphy, he came into the picture. He blamed the loss of life, those veterans, on three eyes: Inefficiency, indifference, ignorance. Number one, they set up the camps where they shouldn't set up the camps. No one was in charge of safety at these camps. And... N- no one was aware. They, they were ignorant, okay, of the danger from a tropical storm. The people operating the camps, the people who selected the place for the camps, were ignorant of hurricanes and tropical storms in the Keys. Bob Woodward's book, Fear, colon, Trump in the White House, all right, what went on sale today? I'm waiting for my copy. I got to tell you, most of my friends have it already. A lot of them have it on Kindle. I got about 15 telephone calls today. No emails. It was interesting. Direct telephone calls from people I know saying, "You got the book, Lewis? Read it. You haven't got it? Get it right away. Uh, you're going to be shocked. You're going to be amazed. The most interesting thing I've ever read. Apparently, he shows that Trump is Woodward. Shows that Trump is inept not prepared to be president of the United States, incompetent. Uh, He says in his book, and I I pick things up from the TV and from the uh, television set, and I make notes, he said that, quote, Trump, the Trump presidency is a national emergency. He says that the Trump White House, and I quote, is crazy town. He quotes Chief of Staff John Kelly, says, our president, Donald Trump, is unhinged, an idiot. Worst job he's ever had. And so it goes. We've got a bad president, folks. 
We've got a bad president. Uh, I'm going to tell you a quick story. It's a bad story. It's a sad story. But it's the American story today. It's powerful people, money people, with political uh, influence, with congressional friends, okay? Money talks, bullshit walks, who are making money in the worst possible ways. I'm talking about the Sackler family, S-A-C-K-L-E-R. They own OxyContin, OxyContin, the opiate, the killer of Americans. In excess of 100 people a day die because of their addiction to OxyContin. It's a drug prescribed by doctors. What has been prescribed for years still is being prescribed under stringent conditions now uh, to control pain. People get hooked on this stuff right away, and they have to have it. The company, the family company is known as Purdue Pharma. They got all kinds of lawsuits going on, but they made a shitload of money, and they're still making money off OxyContin. Well, Frank, Richard Sackler, rather. Richard Sackler is one of the four sons, the father and four sons that ran the business. He was president of Purdue Pharma. Whether he owns stock in the company today, whether he's still connected with the company, I do not know. But, however, Richard Sackler and five other guys got together and formed a corporation. And this past week, they obtained a patent. And what do you think the patent's for? They've come up. <laughs> They've come up with a cure for opiate addiction, for oxycontinent. They, this guy helped create the national problem we have with hundreds to 100 plus people dying every day. The addiction is fantastic in this country. And now he's going to make more money because this corporation, they claim that they have a patent. They claim it is the cure for opiate disorder. Isn't that amazing? Only in America. Jimmy Buffett, quickly. Uh, Jimmy Buffett. Buffett was in an airplane. He was flying himself and taken off from Jamaica. And they shot He had on the plane with him, by the way, U2's Bono, Wife Alley, their two kids, et cetera, et cetera. And the gendarmes, the local Jamaican police, shot at his plane as he was taken off because they thought he was a drug smuggler. Would you believe it? Uh, they, they apologized. No one got injured, fortunately, but they apologized afterwards. And the song, Jamaica Mystica, Come Back, Come Back to Jamaica, don't you know we are a we made a big mistake? We'd be so sad if you told us goodbye, and we promised not to shoot you out of the sky. So much for Jimmy Buffett and Jamaica Mystica. That's the show for this week, my friends. Uh, short but to the point. I'm glad you joined me. I thank you for joining me. Uh, listen to Ke West Lou live on Facebook every morning. I do three or four minutes, a quick hit on one issue. You may enjoy it. You, I have more and more people listening to this program uh, every week. I, I don't understand why, but the numbers are growing. I love it. Keep it up. Tell your friends about it. Otherwise, that's the show again. Thank you again for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week. <laughs>